Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Gabby Reese Show. It's all an experiment. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. My guest today is Candace Birch. And I'm doing something a little bit different today where I have two conversations with Candace, who is a hormone health educator. And I did one show that drills down more specifically for women. And then this show, which really talks more specifically about men's hormones. And I'm not going to overgeneralize, but I feel that men are very interested in their testosterone. So it's like, I need more, I should get it. And really it's that conversation about, we'll know the whole orchestration, the symphony of hormones. And how do you go about testing that? And what are you looking for? And what are some more natural ways to do that? Whether it's through lifestyle or supplementation. And then, okay, what are the more advanced things, whether it's patches or replacement therapy or things like that. So this is my guy show. I would encourage you if you have a daughter or a female partner, a sister to listen to the women's show. But you really find out that all of us are susceptible to so many of the same things in health and it gets expressed not so differently, even though yes, of course, biologically men and women are different. Enjoy. Thank you for joining me again. After we did our hormone show and that was very female oriented, which makes sense. I feel like men's hormones get neglected. Their big conversation around hormones is like testosterone. It's like, do you have it? Don't you have it? How do you get more of it? You know, it's all that. I thought it would only be fair to see if we could dig down a little bit and just talking about men's journeys. I talked to Elisa Vitti quite a while ago and she talked about how women have a cycle that's 26 to 30 days or whatever, but men have a cycle that's 24 hours a day. Right. Like the joke was, is that, you know, happy hour was developed because they would be done with their work or hunting, if you will. That was when their hormones would drop just enough that they were ready to be social and like visit and talk. And that that joke is, is that actually is why happy hour is sort of at that time and like raw through the day. And then now, okay, we're ready to chill. But like you're in your mid twenties. What is it sort of the landscape look like? We have tested several a few hundred men actually, and many of them are younger men in their 20s, early 30s, whose girlfriend or partner persuaded them to do the testing because of 
different symptoms that were going on, either fatigue, irritability, lack of enthusiasm for things, even in younger men, you know, low sex drive and low energy levels. So it isn't a bad idea to your question to get a baseline to see what's going on with hormone levels if there are symptoms. I mean, I think it all starts with symptom awareness. If your muscles are sore and you have a low tolerance for exercise and you've got belly fat at a younger age, or I mean, that's really common in middle-aged men, but if you have symptoms that don't seem to jive with how you want to feel and how you want to perform, if you can't think clearly, your cognition's off, then there's something going on and that's a good time to test hormone levels. You can do it in blood. I think that saliva is a better medium for testing because we test active levels that have become un bound and have moved to the cells where hormones do their thing. You know, they kind of dock up at the cellular site and we can capture that in saliva. And it's also non-invasive not to stick needles into someone is a better thing. But the thing with men, as you were saying, is it's always about testosterone. How do I get more of it? How do I optimize it? But that isn't the whole picture at all. Testosterone is obviously for men and women both. It's an androgen derived from the, the Latin for male, andro. And so we refer to the hormones that have masculinizing effects. So heavier bones, heavier muscles, maybe in in men, we're supposed to think they have more drive than women do. They can be more aggressive, I suppose. Just the sort of outward appearance of the male of the species, the macho thing is linked so much to testosterone. And it's key to women too, because it's all about structure. It's about bones and muscles and building them and maintaining them. It's about our drive, our ambition, our sex drive. It's about how clearly we think, our mental sharpness, our memory, huge. So if testosterone's low, yes, it's a big issue, but The other hormones that work in symphony with testosterone have to be checked out as just as importantly as testosterone. You know, when men say, I want to, how do I raise my testosterone? I think the question should be more, how do I make sure not to lower my testosterone? What is it that depletes my testosterone level? There are many things that actually cause a depletion of testosterone. So if you start with symptoms, you know, I named some of them, we know. If you then get tested, you got to test testosterone, of course, DHEA, which is the precursor hormone. It's the hormone that breaks down to testosterone. It's the most abundant hormone in the body. You've got to test cortisol stress hormones because when they're high, they testosterone's low. And you've got to test estrogen because when estrogen is high, that absolutely kicks testosterone in the butt. And estrogen, especially in aging men, starts to rise relative to testosterone levels because there is an inevitable decline. Now, every guy isn't going to get into low testosterone levels, but the HIM study, hypogonadism in males, which looked at testosterone levels, hypogonadism referring to low testosterone, was a big study, I think it was 2007, And they found that 39% of men over 45 who presented at a clinic for whatever reason were tested for testosterone levels and other levels and were shown to be low in testosterone and higher in estrogen levels. And that was like boiled down to about 13.8 million men in this country. And at the same time, they were mentioning in the study that men are notorious for not 
being aware of the symptoms. They hadn't come in there for that reason. Maybe they came in because they were worried about angina during exercise, or they just felt they didn't have any energy, but they weren't really aware of the symptoms of andropause, which is that over 45, that inevitable decline in testosterone, and they weren't doing anything about their symptoms. They just thought they were part of aging. So the point is, men, they have an andropause. Younger men, if their levels are low or off or out of balance, it's generally because of high stress. Foods that have estrogens in them, like meat and dairy that's been injected with hormones. And that's an interesting story. I remember talking to a guy who had really low testosterone and high SHBG, which is the protein that binds up testosterone and takes it out of circulation. And that usually goes up, sex hormone binding globulin, when estrogen is up. And the cause, when we finally got back down to it or drilled down, it was that he was a milkaholic. He drank too much milk that wasn't xeno-free. It, it was milk that had been mass-produced, and so thus the cows had been shot up with synthetic estrogens. And so his body was loaded with estrogens. And there's something like 11 different kinds of estrogen in a glass of milk with our synthetic processing. That's something that becomes real important for men to be aware of, that you don't want to be eating any meat or dairy that is injected with hormones. I think for younger men in the last 20 years, they're facing things that certainly men in their 40s weren't dealing with. If somebody did get tested and they were in their 20s, because let's just take it from the most baseline level. Can we maybe bucket the lifestyle things? Like, do we like certain supplements that feel pretty good for a bigger group of people? Obviously, we want everybody to get their blood work done so they sort of know who they are specifically. Peptides or zinc or things like that. Do we know of some of these things that can support men's health and energy, vitality, libido, things like that. When we look at the list of things that can help to raise testosterone, they're really natural. What they're doing is they're creating a better balance of estrogen to testosterone or a better balance of stress hormones to testosterone. So a lot of those things come down to, yes, you know, reducing high cortisol. I think one of the questions I noticed that came over Laird's Instagram was what are the one or two things to do when you have a really high pressure life to calm down and to be able to maintain your hormone levels and maintain balance in men with high pressured life. And yeah, the high performance of men leads to high cortisol, high night cortisol. So appetite hormones, which operate on the sleep-wake cycle can be thrown off. And then there are sugar cravings and this need to go for the quick fuel. So a lot of men, they're not aware that they can use collagen. Collagen and testosterone work together to build bone, to build muscle. We can get collagen, foods we eat, and in things like Laird's Superfood Creamers, thank you for letting me try mm -hmm. them. They're fantastic. But that's a great way to sort of boost the interaction of these substances in the body that work together with hormones to build bone, to build muscle. Getting off the computer an hour or two before bed. Now, this is becoming sort of ad nauseum, but a lot of people don't realize that if they're on the computer right up to bed, that blue light has blocked their melatonin, the master sleep hormone. Therefore, they're not going to sleep as well. And they're going to have a high level cortisol. That means cortisol might be rising through the night. 
They wake up in the morning not feeling rested and they get into this syndrome of feeling tired and wired. They can't sleep at night. And I was just reading, there was a review of 15 studies looking at high intensity exercise. And the authors of this study, I think it was Scientific Medical Journal, said that what showed up with exercise is that if you exercise high intensity an hour before bed, you are not going to sleep well. It's going to delay sleep onset and it's going to delay the length of time that you stay asleep. So that kind of, you can lump those two. No vigorous exercise an hour before bed and get off the computer. You turn it off. Just, you know, liberate yourself from the computer cell phone. However, high intensity exercise two to four hours earlier in the evening, so at least two to four hours before bed, actually did help sleep onset and help duration of sleep. So things like that. If we're pressured and we're rushing and we're not eating properly and we're not getting the right nutrients, it's very possible to become zinc deficient, let's say. Now, zinc or, or mineral deficient, vitamin deficient, nutrient deficient. For men, zinc is crucial because zinc actually interrupts the action of an enzyme in fat cells, which turns testosterone into estrogen. And men need to know that, that when their diets are fast food, processed foods, if they're restricting whole food groups by being perhaps too strictly vegan without balancing proteins and combining them properly, they can be missing out on proteins and good fats that are the building blocks of hormones. And then all these essential nutrients like zinc, magnesium, there's millions of them, iodine, the, all of these different trace minerals. But zinc in particular, for older men, if they use zinc and get to know zinc in foods, it's a good thing to know about cashews and chickpeas and dark chocolate and oysters. Remember, they always said oysters were like aphrodisiacs. Why? Because oysters are really high in zinc and zinc disrupts this aromatization in fat cells, which is actually turning testosterone into estrogens. And that's something that's really important to understand. So becoming aware of the fact that a nutrient-dense diet that are loaded with the amino acids that we can't live without and that we don't produce, our bodies don't necessarily produce all of those things. Men can be driven to perform. I notice that a lot of men that I talk to that are older are trying to hang on to that person they were when they were 40 or 50 or 20 or, you know, at a certain point, you got to kind of say, I can't overdo it because then it, we get into adrenal fatigue. And in older men and in aging men or even midlife men, adrenals are all we've got to maintain hormone balance. We aren't making adequate amounts of hormone, men nor women, and we're dependent on our adrenals. If we're beating them with a the whip all the time because we're overtraining, overperforming, not sleeping enough and not getting a good nutrient-dense diet, not getting all those minerals and nutrients we need, then the adrenals start to get whipped and they can't keep up the action, which is to provide us with energy, with that get up and go, to regulate our sleep-wake cycle, to harness our immunities against illness. So men in particular who push and push and push can get injured easily. They can find that they don't really have the capacity for exercise, but if they push themselves, they have sore muscles, they have sore bodies for a while. It takes longer to recover. Bone injuries and all of that, break and muscle soreness that lasts and lasts and lasts can become a chronic problem. 
So, I mean, I think for young men, if you become aware of your hormone levels, the male hormones that are important, the testosterone, the DHEA, but also what's your estrogen doing? Is it high? Is it balanced? What are your stress hormones? Are they too high at night when they should be low and low in the morning when they should be high? And what's going on with your DHEA? And even progesterone is a really important hormone because it blocks the conversion of testosterone into a much more toxic form of testosterone called DHT. It can be toxic at a certain point, it can start enlarging the prostate. Progesterone can be very helpful for that and very calming and very sleep promoting. So women who are using natural progesterone topically can rub a little bit on their male partner over there on the other side. That can be very helpful. You know, I was just listening to a webinar by Dr. Pam Smith, who's an anti-aging physician who does a lot of male hormone balance. And she was talking about in younger men, testosterone therapy isn't always indicated because you want to maintain fertility. And if the testosterone gets too high, then that can be a problem. So younger men are often put on something I, I didn't actually recognize and other nutrients actually to just boost testosterone production. Some of those things I talked about to make sure they're not reducing their own testosterone levels by bringing in synthetic estrogens, et cetera, and being too stressed. She also said that testosterone replacement therapy can be totally amazing and that she's seen men absolutely transformed. So the key with testosterone replacement is it's kind of like, yes, if we have a test result and we have symptoms that go along with it that show clearly that this person is low in testosterone, usually they're going to have an imbalance of testosterone, their estrogen is going to be high, their DHEA is probably going to be low, and their stress hormones are probably going to be out of whack where they're not following the normal diurnal curve. They're too high at night or they're too low in the morning, as I said. So all those things have to be checked out. And if that's all happening, then what some physicians are doing, functional medicine physicians are doing, is using a combination of a bioidentical testosterone in concert with, let's say you're using a transdermal and it's a, a, so it's a cream or a gel that can be rubbed into the skin, like five milligrams is a common dose. A compounding pharmacist who is working with a functional medicine doctor that knows what they're doing can possibly put in a little chrysin, which is a plant-based derivative. It comes from honey. It's an aromatase inhibitor. It can be very useful for making sure to maintain that proper ratio between testosterone and estrogen. Some also include in the mix, in that dispenser, along with the testosterone, a little progesterone to stop the conversion of testosterone to that much more potent and possibly toxic version of DHT. Now they're saying, I had a number here, there was a study that showed, a couple studies that showed that in terms of delivery systems with testosterone, transdermal seems to take the prize. 81% effectiveness with relief of symptoms, even erectile dysfunction. And that's one of the big definers of being an andropause. 81% effectiveness with a transdermal, either a patch, which delivers a steady state of a testosterone and possibly in concert with these other things I mentioned, whereas an oral approach to delivering testosterone is only 51% 
effective. And of course, orally, you've got to use a lot more testosterone to get an effective dose because it's got to go through that first pass effect, the gut and the liver. And then there's intramuscular, the pellets, which a lot of men get, and the injections. But that only showed up as 53% effectiveness. This was a study in the Journal of Urology. So this doctor, Pamela Smith, was saying she loves transdermal patches of progesterone. She was talking about 2.5 to 5 milligrams, and you can increase. You switch the patch every seven days. I used to patch with estrogens. It's easy peasy. As long as you don't get any kind of rash or dermatitis, that can be a really good way to go. And then with patches, you just, I think I said, you switch them out every seven days. Then there's transdermal gels that can have mixtures of up to five grams of testosterone, that is really the maximum dose that I think most functional medicine doctors, the consensus is. And I was the director of education for ZRT Lab. We do our testing through them. So I've worked with all these functional medicine doctors. So this is kind of the consensus. You apply the gel in the morning. Men that use testosterone have to be really careful to wash their hands and, um, you know. (laughs) Or your your partner's have a beard in about six weeks. Yeah, partner and kids. We've seen kids kids. with high levels because dad wasn't washing his hands or using his own towels or, and you're supposed to apply it to hairless areas that men have to find somewhere on their foot or their, their inner leg or whatever. But so I think those two ways, they do provide a steady state and they can be amazing. And I think the point is here too, is that these hormones have roles to play and men that are low in testosterone are at risk for heart disease. There's a direct correlation correlation between cardiovascular disease and low testosterone. There's a direct correlation between low testosterone and insulin resistance, where insulin is just not being able to effectively transport glucose into the muscle cells that need it. More and more insulin is needed to do less and less, you know, and that's when we get into this insulin resistant picture where you've got lots of abdominal fat around the belly, which is, by the way, the most hazardous type of fat, right? Inflammation and all those things that are just real risk for diabetes. So, I mean, think about it. The heart is a muscle. The heart is the most hardworking muscle in the body. It has more receptors or docking sites for testosterone than any muscle in the body. You know, men need testosterone. They definitely do. We don't want to be down on that. What they need to understand is if they're just going for the testosterone, then, and they're not conscious of the symphony of other hormones involved, then they may be not getting the results they want. For instance, if you get pellets at the highest dose, if you go into your doc and you say, give me the optimal dose, hit me. I want it as high as possible. I want to run the ultra A big dose, an initial dose of testosterone that is too high is going to, in a very short period of time, convert in those fat cells to estrogen. So at first, a man's going to feel fantastic. He's on cloud nine and he's got all the strength, power in the world. I remember my dad did this when he was in his 70s, called me up and said, my legs, they're like rocks. He was so proud of himself telling me how he could think sharply. And he and then a couple of weeks later, he was down in the dumps because the levels had probably converted into estrogen and he was feeling emotional and tearful and depressed. 
So this is a big thing to look out for. You know, we're not saying testosterone can't be wonderful and life-giving, especially for older men. You need to start low and go slow. And when you go to the doctor, you say, I need all of these levels tested. I need to make sure my estrogen is in balance my or, or not. I need to know where I stand before anything is prescribed or given. And then beginning there has to start low and then you can increase as you go if needed, you know, and also checking every six months is also a good thing if if men are using testosterone. I'm not at all down on it. I think with human growth hormone, the sources of that have been dubious in the past. Where is it coming from? A lot of it's coming from Asia. We don't know what the source materials are necessarily. And if testosterone is low and estrogen is high and everything and cortisol stress hormones are off the charts, HGH is going to be low. You know, you got to start somewhere. It's like, do we start with thyroid hormone and repairing that before we look at our sex hormones, at all our underlying hormone levels that can so easily cause a thyroid problem? No, we start with adrenal hormones. We start with our master female hormones or our master male hormones, and we get those in order and we support our adrenals. And that gets into B vitamins and multivitamins, so important, and adaptogens, adaptogenic herbs like ginseng, rhodiola, ashwagandha, men can benefit from those hugely. Another thing I didn't mention is, of course, testosterone being a bone builder, men do suffer from osteoporosis. So there's a significant number of men with with osteoporosis. So there is a role for replacement, but it's not just it and of itself, it has to be accompanied by all these other great things that we've been talking about here that we can do. You know, I mentioned some of the sources of zinc, but I had, there's flaxseed is great for inhibiting that conversion of testosterone into estrogen. Green tea extract, ECGC, what is it? EGCG, grapeseed extract and resveratrol. So that's good news for people who like their wine. It's probably better to supplement with a resveratrol or a quercetin, which are derived from red wine. You know, a little bit of red wine doesn't hurt you. This guy, Eugene Shippen, that wrote the testosterone syndrome, says he does ask his guys that are drinking a lot of beer every night or wine to cut back by at least half. Alcohol is another issue. Alcohol raises SHBG levels. SHBG, sex hormone binding globulin, you do not want SHBG if you're a a male who wants to perform and feel good for your age, no matter what age you are, you don't want it binding up your available testosterone. If drinking alcohol is going to increase SHBG, then the first thing to do is get down to no more than two drinks daily. And I think that's pretty generous. That's fine. Two glasses of wine, that's Every day should be doable. And men that have extreme imbalance probably need to stop for a while. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
I think that the people don't give themselves their bodies enough credit. And if people have things balanced out and they can do that in that moderate way, for sure. Even certain herbs, there's something called Tungat, it's T-O-N-G-K-A-T-A-L-I, A-L-I. They say that that can also naturally boost your testosterone. There's a couple things out there sort of interesting, but again, people have to realize that they can't just sort of wing it. You're not just sort of taking some extra vitamin C, that it's really important to know first, where are you at? and then have somebody who can explain it. Now, I always hear, oh, free testosterone and total. I never know what that means. Let me add one. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Mura Puama. Have you heard of that one? No. M-U-I-R-A-P-U-A-M-A is from a shrub in Brazil. And it's meant to be an aphrodisiac, helps with impotence, and is evidently one of those things that helps to maintain testosterone levels. Also, L-carnitine, which is an amino acid, may be even more active than testosterone in aging men with sexual dysfunction, but you have to be tested every six months or so to make sure that you're not getting too much L-carnitine. And I wanted to mention while I'm thinking of these things that you had mentioned, these herbs, cruciferous vegetables are really important for metabolizing hormones in general down the proper pathways. Because, you know, we want to use hormones and then lose them. We don't want them accumulating and recirculating. And for men and women who are estrogen dominant, they can be very powerful in metabolizing excess estrogens down the proper detoxification pathway so that we don't become and stay estrogen dominant. And, and crucifers supposedly can also suppress risk for prostate cancer by doing that, by reducing those xenoestrogens that come in through the environment, through the foods, through the plastics, through the chemicals, the heavy metals, all of that. And saw palmetto. Saw palmetto is another one that's important. Just wanted to make sure we mentioned those. Well, you know, as Eugene Shippen said in something I was just reading, he, he mentioned that total testosterone isn't the crucial measure. Total testosterone is that in a blood test, if they measure total testosterone, they're measuring all that hormone that is bound to the red blood cells that it travels on in your bloodstream. So it's bound by that binding protein, that sex hormone binding globulin. It's not active. It's not at the cellular level docking at the receptor side of the cell and doing its thing, you know, flipping master switches. It's that two to four percent of hormone that escapes the bloodstream because it's been called. It's a feedback loop. So you're working out, you're pumping iron, you need more testosterone. So it becomes liberated from its binding protein and moves into tissue. And in that sense, then it becomes free. It's free of its binding protein. It's active. It's also another word for that is bioavailable. So that available testosterone is what we call free testosterone. And that's crucial. That's what we want to measure because that's what's actually active and at work. It's that free circulating testosterone that can get snapped up in an aromatization, in a conversion in fat cells. Another reason why one of the biggest things men can do if you're overweight, you got to tighten your belt and start on some kind of diet. You know, I wanted to say my daughter would kill me for having used the word diet. She bans that word from her vernacular. She's the health coach. Creating a full plate of all the good food groups that we need, but just not, you know, it's just not overeating. But sometimes we overeat because we're hardwired to overeat because our hormones are out of balance and our stress hormones are high and the survival instinct says, eat more. We need to fuel you. Yeah. Um, as 
part, and that gets into the intermittent fasting thing. The question becomes, if I'm fasting, am I robbing my body of the energy of the nutrients that it needs to function, to perform? You know, I think the answer is really that intermittent fasting is great for improving insulin sensitivity. It has been shown to do that. It can be very useful for getting rid of some of that belly flat and inflammation. And that's what they're seeing. I just think that with people that have tired adrenals who have been pushing it and killing it for years and their adrenals are flatlined on a test result and they have no energy and they're just building fat around the waist like crazy, those people need to go slow. Intermittent fasting can mostly be done in the the hours of sleep. If you stop your last meal at 8 p.m. and you go for 12 hours, most of that intermittent fasting is done while you're sleeping. So that's not too bad. And then if you can go another couple of hours, like have your first meal at 9 or 10, then you're accomplishing some of that benefit without creating an adrenal crisis stressor that says, ding, 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 ding. This person is not eating. She has no energy. He's not going to be able to perform or think straight or work out because he's got no nutrients. I mean, we don't want to restrict. And there are some people that are restricting and intermittent fasting 16, 18 hours a day. So I'm not all for that, especially if on a test, adrenals show some sign of fatigue or exhaustion. Yeah. I think it's interesting where the fasting can either be, where you grabbing the reins a little bit? You know, there's, we all have gone through that. Like you have weeks where you're like, man, I've been a little loosey goosey, right? With my food or just my schedule of eating. And so maybe putting that, that conscious, but soft window around it. So if, if it's mostly mm-hmm. through your sleep, but then I do think there's another level that on occasion, if people are pretty healthy and they're, they're getting these macro micronutrients, they're getting their minerals, that if they sort of say, hey, one or two days a week, I'm going to really go for it successfully. So I think what you're saying is so smart is to remind people, if you're working really hard and you haven't had the chance really to exercise and you're a little bit behind it, that just jumping into long intermittent fasting may not be actually serving you. And I think that with training too, a lot of times people overtrain and it catches up to you through time. And so I will say that what we have also done in our house is a lot of sauna and icing. And I think Dr. Rhonda Patrick does the best information on some of the benefits from the sauna. So if you want more information, she has a ton of information about heat shock proteins, the lowering of all-cause mortality for men in particular. If they go three days a week into a sauna, I I think it's something like 65% less chance for Alzheimer's. So on a lifestyle part, I just want to throw that out there. And then the the ice, there's less information on the ice. I think you're just happy to be alive when you come out of the ice. You know, I'm kidding. It's so cold and uncomfortable. We do it at 32 degrees for about three minutes, but there is some science that would suggest it does stabilizes hormones. And some of the thought is, is it's almost like you're going into survival mode. So the body's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I have to get everything dialed. So maybe if they don't have access to ice, if cold showers, 30 seconds. So if you can go a couple minutes in a cold shower in the morning, we know that that is not the worst thing for your testosterone in the mornings. And testosterone is made in the morning by the body, DHEA and testosterone. So I don't know that much about the uh, icing, but I do know that cold showers or the cold plunge can be very helpful. My husband does a sauna every day 
And that's why, you know, the reasons you were talking about are, are why. How do you do in your household? How do you do the sauna? Do you do saunas every day and the ice every day? Or sometimes I'm like, I don't feel like getting sweaty in my hair and the, and the but uh, I, try, too. I try to get in there like three days a week. Too much like um, a hot flash. No, seriously. Yeah. Our sauna is like at 220 degrees. It's a dry sauna. We don't do infrared and we don't do steam. I think either one would be okay. I think to be consistent basis. I really enjoy that. And then that's when we couple it with the ice because it just makes the ice more bearable. If you had your opportunity to do one, I think heat is still the king. There's just so many studies on it, but just all the health benefits, like I stated earlier. So if we have a young man listening, I would encourage you because it's important to just look under the hood. And if you're just not feeling your best, best, maybe to go get your blood work done. But also I think it's important that we put in place these lifestyle habits like you were talking about. I think we think we can hack everything or we can do a workaround. And I just think that if we can start young, trying to eat better and getting to bed and doing these really obvious things, that it's just better all the way through. We don't want to have to play catch up when we're 50 or 55 and start saying things like, well, you know, I can't do that because now I'm 50 or I'm 60. And now I've got the diabetes. It's sort of like this inevitability, this fatalism that says, oh, well, you know, I'm getting old. And really men are a bit notorious for that, not recognizing symptoms. So this conversation that whoever's listening here, whatever your age, if you're 22 or 72 and you're still getting on it, being aware that hormones are not just a female issue. They're a really important issue for all of us. These guys rule. They're all about function. And if we start now doing the things that, you know, just going for, yes, organic's expensive, but go for grass-fed beef. Find a farmer in your area. Always look for labels that say these animals were raised without artificial hormones. Don't microwave in plastic. Avoid all the chemical, the obvious things that you can avoid and the things that disrupt your sleep. How many people think that sleep is for sissies or they don't have time to sleep? I've had way too many people say to me, I'll sleep when I die. That's depressing. I mean, you will have hormone imbalance right away at a very young age if you're not sleeping much. And I know a lot of people have anxiety. That's also to do with issues that are lifestyle. How are we spending our days? Are we ever making time to do the things we love to do. So many people are just so crazy busy. They're not even remembering that, hey, they loved after surfing, maybe the greatest thing is to lay on the sand and read a book you love or whatever it is that is balanced, balanced exercise, high performance, and then the things that calm you down and, and help you just chill with nature, getting out for long walks, make a list of the things you love to do and do them, make time for them. Go back and notice when's the last time I did any of these things that I love to do. If you're not a bodybuilder, let's say, is there ever a time, and I don't mean an inhalant to help you with your allergies, I mean, is there ever a time for a steroid? If you're talking about testosterone replacement therapy, it does have its advantages in individualized proper dosing. I mean, I think that's the main important thing. We really need to 
measure for test first. As you said, get your blood work done or your saliva testing done. I can offer $50 off any kit. We have a male hormone test kit that we can test all those levels for your listeners. You can use the code Gabby. You know, we'd love to test your levels. We actually tested some editors at Men's Health some years ago at ZRT, and they were shocked to find how out of whack their hormone levels were. But I think just getting the big picture and knowing it's not all dependent on one level or the other. These hormones work in a symphony. They all have to be balanced. If there's a place for anabolic steroids, then that build and maintain muscle and bone because you need that. At the same time, you've got to be making sure that you're not stressing yourself to the max because high stress hormones are catabolic. So you're taking an anabolic steroid and at the same time, you're still not getting enough sleep. You're still pushing yourself to excesses that maybe aren't fitting at this age or that are maybe just burnout for you. At a certain point, it's like, wake up. Can't have catabolism and anabolism going on at the same time. They always are, but you don't want to have the catabolic overtaking all the efforts you're making to build yourself up when on the other side, lifestyle-wise, you're breaking yourself down. Let's emphasize these are things to boost you, but these are things that are not going to fix if you're not doing the stuff that you're you know, in right. charge of. So yeah. God, balance. So Candace Birch, I really appreciate you. And people can find you at yourhormonebalance.com. And like you said, if they want to take a test, they can put the code in, they can get savings on the code. Kind of pay attention to the objects of our daily neglect. Take Take notice of those things that you're, you're feeling discontent about and know that there are many natural approaches to this. It doesn't have to take the big guns, the draconian meds and all of that to get feeling better. You can do it yourself with a little help from you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. And if you'd like, rate, subscribe, and leave us a review. All of my music was graciously done by Frank Zumo and Tom Thacker. If you want to see some of the behind the scenes action, just follow me at Gabby Reese. And remember, don't miss new episodes every Monday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.